Your show will go live in five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Blog Talk Radio. The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 359, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live Thursday, August 11th, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. Our MMA and wrestling editions air every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, usually 8 p.m. Pacific. And our gaming and entertainment edition is what you are watching today, which usually airs every Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. All right. A couple of things. Uh, Slick gave me the uh, the heads up that our audio and video are good. Very pumped for that. Thank you, Slick. A um, couple of things I got I to gotta mention first and foremost uh, we got the new camera up and running. Uh, I'm very happy that Slick told me that our audio and video is good, uh, primarily because I have finally, finally, finally figured out uh, the issue to use our brand new camera. Uh, the issue stemmed from, and many of you guys may have heard about these woes before, some capture card and hardware issues, which I'll get into in a moment. Uh, but before I do that, I do want to talk about our very special uh, Deadpool prize pack giveaway, which is still going on. If you guys joined us last Thursday, you saw that we made an announcement for a brand new uh, prize pack that we're giving away in partnership with our friends from Rip the Parrel. Uh, we're giving away a Deadpool t-shirt, a tote bag, a print, two Deadpool pops, and Deadpool the, fi- the movie, the film, on Blu-ray slash DVD. And... Um, we put the contest together. We were originally going to launch it that night uh, after the show was over, and we had some hardware issues and some internet issues. It was it was a pain in the ass. But because of that, you guys get to benefit, and that's because we ended up extending the contest all the way through this week, and we will be announcing the winner during next Thursday's show. So you have till next Wednesday at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to get your entries in. Um, again, 
If you guys haven't read the rules, you can go to RageWorks.net and look for the contest there. But uh, I will say that the contest is for listeners, readers, and viewers that are 18 and over just because the Deadpool movie is R-rated. So please make sure if you're going to enter and utilize any of the uh, ways that we provided on the site, please make sure to enter your uh, month, date, and year of birth to ensure that you are over 18. Uh, This is being done, uh, number one, because we're giving away the film, but number two, just to ensure that everything is on the up and up and that we are tracking the contest accordingly. Uh, We are really excited to be partnering with Rip the Power for this. If you're a Deadpool fan, uh, you definitely want to get in on the action. It's 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 a great prize pack, and like I said during last week's show, it's one of many giveaways we got on deck just trying to get this one out of the way first because we are obviously working with another partner to ensure that you guys uh, get the best prizes possible. Now, with that out of the way, I can give you guys a little bit of news. Uh, yesterday, was we were supposed to do the MMA and wrestling edition, but unfortunately... Bring this mic up a bit. Uh, but unfortunately, we, um, we had an, an event to cover. Uh, we went to a movie screening, but um, don't want to put out what we went to see yet, obviously, uh, for a couple of reasons, but... Uh, The review for that film, if you know me personally, you know exactly what I went to see. Uh, But the review for that film will be live on RageWorks.net later uh, later in the day on Friday. Uh, Needless to say, it was uh, the movie we went to see was uh, interesting. (laughs) Well, I'll just put it that way. For those of you that know me personally, you know exactly what I went to see and you can form your own opinions. But nonetheless, um it was fun. You know, I want to definitely throw a, a big shout out to Danny from Royal Flush Magazine for extending the invitation and allowing me to check out this film. It was definitely a blast. Um, aside from that, you know, our schedule will continue regularly next week. But again, you know, those of you that were looking for an MMA and wrestling edition, uh, apologies for not being able to deliver on that yesterday. But Uh, We're giving you a gaming and entertainment edition of MTR, chock full of gaming and entertainment goodness, including uh, the latest gaming news from the week, which I'm sure Slick will have some stuff to add with that. Uh, We're going to introduce something new uh, for the entertainment segment. In addition to obviously talking about the entertainment segments of the week, I want to try and throw in what I'm going to call a five minute movie review. Um, basically, you know, we're going to try and do this going forward, incorporate it into the live broadcast for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, people sometimes just don't want to read. And number two, I know I've been trying to bring back the minority film report. And while I would like to do that, scheduling has been a pain in the ass, but I do want to make sure that you guys get the reviews as best as possible. So, uh, the first five minute movie review we're going to introduce is going to be for, Uh, DC's Suicide Squad, which I went to see. Um, You can read the text review on RageWorks.net, of course, but we're going to give you uh, this little five-minute movie review just to, like I said, just add something to the entertainment segment and also just another way to get it out there in case people just prefer to listen to or watch uh, reviews. We're going to do that. Uh, The other thing we're going to be getting into is some casting news. We got some small screen news. Uh, We're going to get into box office totals, and um, of course, we will take your calls, 347-324-3541. Anyway, 
as I mentioned at the start of the show, we finally got the uh, the new camera up and running. Um, the situation I'd been dealing with, which again I kind of just glossed over, but I'll go back to it for those of you that are wondering what I'm using because I know people always ask. Uh, we tried a couple of different capture cards. Uh, the last one we we used was a. Uh, don't want to knock out that microphone. This guy. This is a Black Magic Intensity Pro, and highly recommended. Paid a decent amount of money for it when I got it, and um, it was running well with the camera for the first couple of shows. And next thing you know, I come home, blue screen of death on Windows 10. And essentially, that was the end of that. Did a little digging, a little research, went to Reddit, went to Twitter. Uh, shout out to GFQ's Andrew Zarian for his input. We ended up uh, finding out that these cards are not compatible with AMD-based systems. My system, of course, built with AMD, uh, OctaCore 8350, for those of you that are curious, um, just wouldn't play nice with the card. So, of course, I went, I tried a couple of different things. We picked up a... Uh, Elgato HD60 Pro, which is a PCI-based capture card, no dice. Um, the software that we use to do our broadcasting and rendering, which is vMix, uh, did not pick up the Elgato HD60, though I will admit that there was no lag. Uh, the picture was amazing. It looked really good. Unfortunately, that was not, uh, it was not to be. The next thing we tried to do was go with a USB 3-based solution, so I ended up trying again with an Elgato capture card, ended up picking the HD60S, which is similar to this guy, which is the regular HD60. And what that does is it runs through USB 3, of course, and is supposed to, again, generate zero lag. Plugged it in, no picture, no dice. Returned it, just a big pain in the ass. You know, this involved trips to Micro Center, B&H, couple of different places. Finally, somebody said, oh, you know, you got to get something by a company called Magewell. Uh, Magewell makes an HDMI to USB 3 uh, solution that basically allows your computer to recognize any camera or input device that's plugged in and plugged it in, work like a charm. Uh, MSRP on that device, though, is $300. So <laughs> for, the, for those of you that are, that are looking to up your video and, and introduce a camera, into it that's you know better than your usb based webcam definitely think it over especially if you run an amd system um, unless you really want to like i said step it up the magewell card has a msrp of three hundred dollars i um i didn't pay that ended up paying uh substantially less but nonetheless it was one of those things where i got lucky made somebody a uh an offer and before you know it uh the person accepted and i ended up uh, getting the card. I actually didn't expect to have it till the weekend, but on, you know, I, fortunately I, I walked into my office today and there was a package and I'm like, holy shit, it's here. So ran home, uh, got home a little later than expected, hence the late start time. But uh, the beauty of it is we got to introduce this beautiful piece of technology into our, uh, our workflow. So I'm still trying to get the hang of uh, making sure we have the best picture uh, I know we, you know, what's funny. I actually got the green screen working, but unfortunately uh, I have an outlet on the bottom, which I'm sure you guys have seen, which happens to be white and it kind of breaks up the green screen a little bit and it's a big pain in the ass. So I have to actually paint the outlet cover 
and the plug itself green so that it disappears on the green screen. But we did get the green screen up and running. Uh, when we're going to use it remains to be seen, but definitely uh, keep an eye out for some cool shit in future episodes of MTR. Uh, next thing I did want to mention, uh, I'm slick. Yes, the Decepticon insignia is glowing. It is actually pulsing. Uh, very cool uh, lamp that my missus got me. Uh, it, you can mount it on the wall, and I ended up just keeping it on the shelf as a regular standalone lamp. Um, but yes, it, it does glow. It, uh, there's an Autobot symbol also that glows, but you know, got to get the Decepticon one. Uh, in any case, the other thing I did want to mention, we've been teasing it the last couple of weeks. Uh, we got a brand new podcast launching on the Rageworks Network. Um, it is the variant issue. It's going to cover comics and collectibles, myself. And Jimbo Slice will be doing it. Uh, right now, the goal is to do a monthly installment of the show. Or in this case, it will be a monthly issue. So it will be, you know, uh, we're going we're gonna to number those like comic book issues. Uh, the goal is, obviously, we're going to try monthly. If, if, it, if it takes off and you guys really enjoy it, we will uh, adjust accordingly. Uh, be on the lookout for that on RageWorks.net. And um, really excited, really excited to do that, um, especially because I've kind of gotten to back into comics a little bit, uh, more so than I was a year or two ago, so definitely worth it. Uh, in addition, obviously, you guys know, if you're following me on social media, you know I'm into pops and collectibles and toys, especially uh, over the last couple of months, especially with pops, because they're small and relatively affordable, except for a Gorilla Grodd pop that I actually am paying some money for. But aside from that, um, you know, the pop habit is, is, you know, it's pretty cheap, so it's not terrible. But uh, when I was a little younger, I spent a, a lot of money on, on figures and collectibles. Uh, Jimbo Slice can definitely attest to that. He knows, he knows what it was like going to KB and Toys R Us looking for Marvel Legends action figures, etc., etc. But in any case, brand new show, variant issue, coming to the Rageworks Network. Um, of course, this week we got new episodes of Black is the New Black. Uh, of course, this episode of MTR. We got a new episode of Call Me When It's Over. And a huge shout out to our very own Jay Santi, who is about to broadcast very soon the 50th episode of the regular season sportscast. Really excited for that. Uh, he put together a best of episode uh, recently, which we put on our feed uh, you guys can check that out, but really excited and really happy for Jay as he is about to hit episode 50. Ben and Taylor are also on the verge of their 50th episode of Black is the New Black. Uh, really excited for those guys. All right, so with that said, that's going to wrap up the housekeeping. Let's jump into some of this week's gaming stuff. We got lots to cover. Let's get to it. If you guys have been reading RageWorks.net, you know that WWE 2K17 has been releasing uh, periodic roster updates. Uh, the first roster update had 19 superstars. Uh, another 22 were published on the site. And um, the way it's being done is that they're introducing the characters through uh, different areas of Suplex City, uh, the fictional city, of course, that they created uh, courtesy of Brock Lesnar. And they're using that as a way to unveil some of the superstars for the new game. Um, I think that the concept is okay. We're seeing a lot of returning characters. We're also seeing a lot of characters uh, that we knew were inevitable. I have no problem with this, but to go back to something that 
we discussed in previous episodes. I really hope they finally realize that it's easier to just skin one character multiple times and then add new wrestlers that we have not seen before. Um, of course, WWE 2K17 hits stores in October, and um, you're going to have your standard edition. There's an NXT edition, which I believe is 100 or $150. I'm sure Slick will drop that in the chat and let me know. Uh, either way, the, the roster looks promising. If you guys checked it out, the last uh, post we put on RageWorks.net included uh, the 22 announced superstars. Plus, we got to see Finn Balor's entrance uh, for this game. They actually used the Texas Chainsaw Massacre entrance that he did um, during one of the NXT live events. Uh, really good in terms of graphics. I was thoroughly impressed with the amount of detail that went into it. Um, you know, this this is uh, another entrance. This would be the second or third, I believe, that they've released. Of course, the first being Brock Lesnar's, which, again, looked incredibly detailed. Um, they're continuing to uh, harness the power of these new systems to to give us some very, very impressive visuals. Um the NXT Collector's Edition, which which Slick shared in the chat, comes with a Finn Balor. Uh, some people are saying it's a figure. Some people are saying it's a statue. Either way, it's something uh, something Finn Balor related. You got a Shinsuke Nakamura print, uh, the Goldberg pre-order, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, the NXT Edition, like I said, uh, definitely the one worth picking up just for the uh, the autographed Shinsuke Nakamura print, which is by Rob Schamberg, uh, who's been doing some really, really great work and some amazing art. Uh, also, like I said, the, the Finn Balor figure or statue, depending on, on who you ask, is is incredibly detailed. Of course, it's it's in his demon persona, which, not even a shocker. Plus, like I said, all the pre-orders, season pass, etc., etc. Um, Slick says that it's, it's being billed as a collectible figurine as per 2K Games. So there you have it, a collectible figurine. Uh, originally, some people, like I said, were saying it's a small mini statue. Um, looks like a collectible figurine is what it is, according to 2K. Nonetheless, uh, if you want to get your hands on that, recommend you checking out your local retailers and seeing if they're going to get it. And I only say this not because I, I'm encouraging you guys to buy it, because I have my own my own issues with quote-unquote limited editions, but what I have learned with the WWE ones is that they are indeed limited. It's not one of those things where you can wander into a store a year from now and come across a collectible edition unless it's a local mom and pop shop. When they did the the Hulk Hogan edition, which did not come with a complimentary clan hood, unfortunately, it did include a special Hulk Hogan pop. I believe it was the NWO pop at the time. And... Um, they did not that that sold out very very quickly. If I remember, I think our very own Jay Santi picked it up. And as far as I know, most of the the retailers that I checked or that I knew in some capacity, whether through personal relationships or just from from shopping there on a consistent basis, said that you know it was a limited supply. They got them, and just as quick as they got them was just as quick as they sold out. So. Take that as you will. If you are interested in picking up the NXT edition, by all means, um, definitely check out your local retailers. This is one of those times when I kind of have to say, you know, check your local GameStop. Ugh. And I and I say that I say that with um, with uh, you know a uh, uh, very very uh, begrudgingly. I say that only because you know I have I have my gripes with GameStop, which um, leads me to. Uh, a story I'm going to share later on in the segment regarding my uh, my Xbox One S aspirations. But in any case, 
WWE 2K17 uh, so far has the first wave of 19 and the newest wave of 22 superstars. Check out the full list on RageWorks.net. Also, you can see Finn Balor's entrance video. We actually posted it on the RageWorks YouTube channel, so feel free to check that out, youtube.com forward slash official RageWorks. Uh, in addition to that, they also, WWE and 2K Games, released the um, announcement that Sean Puff Daddy Combs is going to be involved in curating uh, the music for this game. As many of you know, this has become the newest thing. NBA 2K did it as well, where they reach out to an artist or a media personality to curate the soundtrack for the game. Uh, this was added. Um, this was also pumped up on Monday's episode of Raw, where Puff Daddy also showed up. And um, the game the game is going to include 13 unique songs from established artists. You're going to have some hip-hop, some indie music, some alternative rock, some heavy metal, and some EDM. Uh, here is the soundtrack listing. You're going to have Action Bronson and Joey Badass uh, featuring Rico Love. What about the rest of us? Uh, you're going to have Anderson.Pac. I have no idea who this is. Come down. Andy Black, We Don't Have to Dance. Axwell Ingrosso this time, Black Sabbath's Paranoid, uh, Bring Me the Horizons Run, Fiddler's Drone, French Montana, Ugh, not a fan of French Montana, and uh, Kojak Black Lockjaw, uh, Ishii with French Montana, Wale, and Raekwon uh, called we, with, with uh, wow, uh, the song is called We Run, uh, P. Diddy, Black Rob, and Mark Curry, Bad Boy for Life. Uh, nice to see that that track in there. Uh, Travis Barker and Yellow Wolf's Out of Control, 21 Pilots Ride, and Yellow Claw featuring Little Eddie, We Made It. So those are the songs that are going to be part of the WWE 2K17 soundtrack. As I said, the game drops in October, October 11th to be exact. Look for the game on Xbox One, PS4, PS3, Xbox 360, uh, there, there've been conflicting reports about a PC version. I heard that there was going to be one, but it would not be coming out on that day along with those other editions. Um, we're going to try and find out and get some additional confirmation on that. And of course we will share it with you either on the site or on a future installment of MTR. All right. Slick has queued himself up and I'm going to bring him on board to get into this week's gaming news and a couple of other things I want to discuss with him. So let me bring him on board. Slick, what's up, brother? What's up, man? Not too much. I'm drinking this uh, 50 ounces of, of water over here, trying to get my hydration on point. I hear you. Gotta keep it going. There you go. So what do you got, my friend? Well, <clears throat> as I said last week, August is a pretty big gaming month. You know, not the, lo- the biggest titles of the year, say for one or two, but as far as just Content-wise, it's it's huge, and not only for the the games coming out, but the news coming out this this month. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Okay. First, the, earlier today, uh, CD Projekt Red announced that they are releasing a Game of the Year edition of The Witcher Three: Wild Hunt. No surprise there, because it was basically the Game of the Year last year. It's pretty funny you said and, that, because um, I, I actually had that in my notes for this week. Um, I think based on that, I may actually pick that game up now that they're going to put it out, because I remember you spoke very highly of it, and so did a lot of other uh, you know, a lot of other listeners and readers of the site, and 
I said to myself, it is inevitable that we're going to get some sort of a game of the year edition or, or some sort of expanded edition. And sure enough, here it is. Yeah, Ben was in love with that game. Yeah, he definitely was. You're right. I'm trying to see if I have the um, – I actually got to check the price. I think it might be thirty nine ninety nine. but I'm actually, trying to make sure. I got that. Uh, the Game of the Year edition is coming out on PC, Xbox One, and PS4 on August 30th, and it will be $50. Okay. Uh, I mean, considering the original game was 60 and the um, the expansion pass was 25 so that's the $85, $85 worth of gaming for – uh, 50 bucks and that's I forget how it's like close to probably close to 400 hours worth of gameplay yeah I think I think you know so that, it's an incredible value that's for sure I definitely think so I mean The Witcher 3 deserved game of the year last year and I mean just it's it'll have anybody if you haven't played it before it's gonna have you playing for some time even if you rush through the game it's not it's not a quick game what do you think is the average completion time? Not to get a hundred percent, but just on a on a on a fair on a, on a fair level. I would say probably. I think they said that if you don't do anything but like the main story missions, the main story is I think something like forty to fifty hours. Okay. And between Hearts of, Heart of Stone, Hearts of Stone, and Blood and Wine, the two expansions. That's another thirty. Damn, that's that that that's a that's a pretty solid value for a, a game of the year edition. That on top of that is less than the than the standard MSRP, and is chock full of you know all that additional content. I, you know, just on that alone, I I kind of want to pick that up when it drops the thirtieth, or even if I want to, I can probably hold out and pick it up in the fall. You know, maybe they'll do uh, Target's infamous buy two get one free sale. Or the uh, the good old Black Friday special. Black Friday sale. But definitely, if you haven't picked up the Witcher Wild Hunt, I, I highly recommend it. Like, it's at the very least on Black Friday, but, you know, August 30th <clears throat> is definitely the time to move for, for gamers who haven't. Like, if there's nothing else, cause, you know, everybody has their own taste. If there's nothing else that you're getting this month, that would be the game to get. Well, you know, it's funny because you gave a pretty lengthy list uh, during last week's show, and now we have this game of the year, Witcher uh, Wild Hunt Edition. And I know that we we also received some additional information regarding Just Cause 3, which I'm sure you're going to elaborate on. Yes, um, well, it's still Thursday. Today, um, Just Cause 3... Drop their the final <clears throat> DLC pack in the Air, Land, and Sea expansion pack, which is the Bavarium Sea Height. Right now, what I can tell you about the expansion pack is that I, I mean I haven't downloaded the Bavarium Sea Height yet because I was at work all day, but um, they each one of them adds something very cool to the mix and. One of the good things about the um, Just Cause 3 is that everything from the expansion can be taken back to the main game if you haven't finished it or if you want to start over. All of that can be taken to the main game. The the, um, the Sky Fortress, which is the air portion, gave uh, Rico a 
a um a wingsuit, basically a jetpack wingsuit. Right. Where he could take off from anywhere, including the water. And when I say it's powerful, I mean the the playable area for that DLC was like literally a mile high in the sky. Jeez. And he has to get there from the ground with just that wingsuit. Holy cow, that's pretty insane. And it only takes like I'd say a good minute of flight before you're in combat. Like the the again the the playable area is a bunch of of um a fleet of like airships and 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 floating platforms and one giant you know like air battleship and the weapons on that thing are insane. The weapons like for the, the stage the combat, itself, or the weapons for the character. The, uh. The weapon, well, the weapon that he gets in in that one is called the Bavarian Spitter. It worked very well for that DLC. Back in the main game, it's still great, but I don't know. I feel like when you're fighting people, it seems that bullets work better, and when you're fighting machines, the Bavarian Spitter works better. So it's 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 kind of a good thing because the balance when um. The, the second DLC, and first of all, the, the, the Sky Fortress probably had the best ending. Well, again, I haven't played the last one yet, but the, the final mission of the Sky Fortress was insane. The um, the next one was the, the Mech Land. I don't want to say Assault, because that Mech Assault is a, an old Xbox game. Right. But um, the land portion had you getting a, a battle mech. There two versions, but they're both just, like, disgustingly powerful. It's basically a a jumping battle mech that can pretty much obliterate anything. Like, before it came out, there was a, a gif of of the, the mech destroying an oncoming train, and the trains in that game move at about 80 miles an hour at the least. Right. Like, it hit it. It, it just threw one swing, and the whole train just went flying. I know that they're also including so, the um, that brand-new rocket boat, right? There's a rocket boat in there. Yeah, but the rocket boat isn't the crazy thing in that game. The, they, they literally saved the best for last because in the, the Bavarian Sea Heist, Rico gets a lightning gun. Like, it looks like a standard gun, but you pull the trigger and lightning comes down, raining down from the sky. Kind of like, if you remember playing Infamous at the end, you literally got the the power to bring lightning down on people. That's right. kind of like that. Okay. That's pretty much what it looks like, and it's insanely destructive. The only other weapon in the game that is that destructive is a, a... a rocket launcher that you get towards the end, which no human being should ever have because it fires nukes. Nice. When I say it fires nukes, like you don't want to be anywhere near the blast zone. Okay. I have killed myself with it, and I'm sure many other people have as well. <laughs> but Just Cause 3 I've seen on sale many times. Right. Yeah, I have like, too. I've seen, I've seen the, the collector's edition uh, go for like, 50 bucks i a lot of people have been asking me you know is this game good blah 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 i keep telling them, you know when the sales were there and, uh, you know they either got it or they didn't so i was fortunate enough that square enix you know blessed me with a review copy so 
it is what it is. But if if Just Cause three gets any kind of you know combined package like The Witcher three, fifty bucks would definitely be worth it. Because okay. I'll say that the, the DLC packs in the expansion by themselves they they don't feel worth it. Like each one of them's twelve bucks if you buy them by themselves. Right. The expansion pass was twenty five. If you put all three of them together, that twenty five bucks is definitely worth it because it's solid, like just madness. Just okay. cause three. Well, just cause the series is just madness. It's mindless violence that. You know, it's just fun because it's just stupid, the, the things that you do in the game. Right. And if you're getting that and the original game, which the the main game, if you if you just play through the missions, it's not very long, but there's so much to do between collecting. Just going around getting the collectibles will have you doing a lot of other missions and fighting a lot of other battles. Like, it's not standard fair collecting where all you're doing is collecting because every place where you would collect stuff, you wind up in a restricted zone, quote unquote. And in one of them, excuse me, like in the, at one point, literally, whether you're driving a car, flying a plane, or even walking, one of the restricted zones, literally start firing nukes at you. Wonderful. That's how, (laughs) that's how insane the game is. That's pretty badass, man. So definitely uh, that's a game that I, I highly recommend because the the original game was a whole lot of fun. The DLC, the action was great. Some of the presentation wasn't as good because instead of doing the um, using the same cutscene style that they did in the main game where it was the same graphical engine as the... the um, the game, they just use like these these cartoony comic panels, and that that turned me off. But the actual gameplay is the same style of core gameplay as the original Just Cause Three, so it's still worth it. Do you feel together? Would you compare it. it to Shank? Remember the cutscenes in Shank? Well, the thing is, the cutscenes in Shank still look the way Shank looks. Right. That's that's the the point. It's like imagine, you know, you're watching the Matrix and all of a sudden the the move I'm talking about you're watching the movie and all of a sudden it just cuts away to like drawings from the Animatrix. Ah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Okay. So, I mean, the story presentation of the DLC is not as good as it is in the main game. Cuz the 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 cutscenes in the main game were were fun. They were fun. They were funny. Like I, I had posted the video on the on um, the RageWorks YouTube page where Rico's friend made him kiss a cow. Oh, jeez! If you haven't <laughs> if you haven't seen that, you can go to the RageWorks YouTube page and it's 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 worth watching. I gotta I gotta say this with with, with that game, you know the Just Cause series, and and I think we kind of touched on this when it happened initially. It was one of those series that it was there, kind of like Saints Row, where everybody's like, "Oh, you know, it's a cool, it's a cool game. You, you know, everybody should check it out." And people kind of just glossed over it. And then, as as future installments came out, the the fandom grew. You know. Well, I mean, the, I think the thing is that 
just cause learns from itself. Like the first game I think is PC only. The second game originally came out for, I think 360 and then came out on PS3. And, um, it's similar. It, it's similar in size right. to just cause three. Like, uh, like I said, just cause three for anybody. A lot of people haven't played just cause three, but pretty much everybody's played GTA five. If you think, the playable area of GTA 5 is big. The playable area of Just Cause 3 is more than twice the size of it. Huh. Well, I got to say um, this. I got to say this with that. You know, Just Cause 3, The Witcher, those were two games, and correct me, you can correct me if I'm wrong, they were two games that came out, had good fanfare, a good amount of press, but it wasn't the same level of press and pomp and circumstance that you would have had with, I don't know, Gears, Halo. But it just goes to show you that, and it reinforces something you and I have talked about at length, which is if the content is good, the gameplay is engaging, and the game is just fun, they'll sell units. I think when we went through the MPD numbers for for the, for the the for that month, The Witcher was on was in the top 10 for quite some time. Yes, because it, it did exceedingly well. Like CD Projekt Red, they issue at least like um, three open letters to fans, just thanking them for the support for the you know for the sales. Right. It definitely it made it made more than its money back. Well, there you go. I, I you know I, I was thoroughly impressed with that. I also know. And and I believe I may have forwarded this to you. I know we got another Phoenix Wright coming also, right? Yeah, I, I didn't actually get to, to open that one up because a lot of the stuff that you sent to me I got while I was at work and right. it's well, kind of a busy right. day. Yeah, well, no worries. But in any case, while I have you here, the, uh, the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Spirit of Justice is coming out on the 3DS on September 8th, uh, MSRP of twenty nine ninety nine. This is going to be the sixth game in the Ace Attorney franchise, and it's going to also be available digitally on the Nintendo eShop. For those that are interested in trying out the game beforehand, you can actually grab a demo of the game uh, starting August 25th. I know a lot of people who are like big Phoenix Wright fans, so they would probably check that out. They have a DS. Yep, the demo is actually going to showcase uh, the game's new uh, divination uh, seances featured in the game uh, which are you know it's going to allow players to flash back to the final moments of a victim's life and uncover the truth of what actually happened which is a pretty badass concept yeah Capcom actually put out earlier well I think like two or three months ago a Phoenix Wright anime right I really I, I tried to watch it but a lot of the way like you know it's basically court cases. That's not what bugged me. It's just that the way the cases went, it's like, okay, I understand that it's based on a video game. Right. But you could have tried to make it a little bit more realistic. Huh. They, they really, they really jumped the shark on that one. You know what it is for me? I've watched Phoenix Wright stuff in passing and I've played the games in passing and when I mean in passing, it's like, you know, if there's a demo for it, I'll check it out or or whatever the case may be. Just like anything else, you know, it's it's our job to kind of check it out, see how the games are. Um, I It's one of those games where, uh, how can I put it? 
it's one of those games that 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 feeds a niche mar- uh, not a niche following i'm um, not a niche market excuse me a niche following much like Yu-Gi-Oh you know or Pokemon or anything else you know those those series those games have their own diehard fan bases like when when i saw the announcement for Phoenix Wright and i saw it shared in different places on social media uh, people were just going crazy, like, yeah, September 8th can't come quick enough, and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, it just continues to show that even though gaming as a genre continues to explode and grow on a, on, at an exponential rate, there's, there's sub-genres of certain games that are just, you know, they have their own rabid fan base, you know? Absolutely, and that's the way it should be. I think, you know, I think for... For, uh, you know, a system like the 3DS, games like Phoenix Wright and, and other titles of that magnitude continue to, to bolster a solid handheld. Even now, think about it, where everybody's looking towards the, the Nintendo NX or the, you know, or the next, you know, if people want to want to want to go with that. And when people look at that, they're they're kind of just writing off everything else that Nintendo is doing. Which is a shame because Nintendo still has some solid stuff coming out for the, for the, for both consoles, both the handheld and the, and the home base console. Obviously the handheld being the, uh, the leader of the pack in this instance, but there's still some good stuff coming out there. I mean, this game, we can probably look at the MPD numbers for September. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll try and circle back to that in October and it'll probably show that Phoenix Wright was, was at least in the top 10. I would definitely want to um, check up on that. But when you mentioned like good stuff, there was a um, a game that I had gotten a press alert about, and I was trying to write that up. Again, time waits for no man. But that's right. It's a game that's coming out on Steam next week, but it came out on the Wii U last year called Typo Man. What? Basically, the fuck? <laughs> it features. It's, it's called typo, man, like typo, T-Y-P-O, when you make a, a spelling mistake. Right. Because it's based on a faceless hero that is, his body is comprised of the letter H-E-R-O. And basically everything in the game is a word. Okay. Like, but it's like, it's kind of like if letters were transformers, because in the trailer, he walks up to the word part. It flips over and slams on it, and it's the word trap. Ah, very cool trick. Like, the word hate turns into monsters or turns into pitfalls and stuff like that. Nice. And it's just, it's just crazy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put something up probably tomorrow. Like, I'm sure because it started on Wii U, a lot of people may have missed it, unfortunately. But it's coming out on Steam next week, and it's just an insane looking game. It's like, I guess you could kind of think of it in a way. I mean, it's, it's still different, but like think of limbo. If instead of like actual characters, everything was made of words. Oh, it's okay. Kind of crazy like that. Nice. I did want to uh, mention two things that, that crossed my mind that went, that I had made notes for. Uh, I want to talk about gears of war only because there's been a big push for Gears of War with the new installment on, on, on the horizon. 
And um, if you pre-order Gears of War 4, of course, they're giving you three characters as well as a Gold Wave Lancer and a Gold Wave Nasher weapon. Uh, the characters that you're going to get are Tomorrow Anya, Old Man Marcus, and here's a good one, Zombie Dom. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, we it's I laugh because, you know, we always joke about, um, you know, Dom and, and the voice actor that... that you know, provided provided his his work for Dom's character, and it's just funny. I'm like I'm like yo, you guys killed the guy off, and you still as a you're putting him in the game as a zombie. Clearly, you just can't let it go. Is Blazinski even connected to the new game? No, I don't believe he is. I heard he was working on something, but I, I can't remember. I remember what off the top of my head. Yeah, I saw a project he was working on. Um, I think a piece was done a couple of weeks back. And then they kind of just uh, they kind of just check it. They they kind of just check in on him periodically on on this new project. You know what? What's funny about Gears? Uh, aside from you know, I had put out a piece about Funko actually releasing pops for the series. As a matter of fact, one of them was a San Diego Comic Con exclusive. It's just it's always amazing that for as much shit as people like to give Microsoft. The studios that that they're partnered with have created some very very compelling characters. I mean, think about it. Gears came on the scene, and people were just like, "All you do is cut, run, cover, and run, shoot, and cover." And you know that that's the entire game in a nutshell. But the fact that we're on our fourth installment, and people people just continue to support it. I mean, you know, people getting gears tattoos. I mean, people buying. Uh, merchandise. I mean, I got a couple of gear shirts because it's one of those things where I always felt that the story that they were trying to put together was incredibly well done and would make a, a would it, again, like anything else, it would make a very good movie if it was done correctly. I hear you. I could see that. I mean, I was, I have never been a Gears fan. I don't knock anybody who is, but, um, I definitely see the potential of like, like a sci-fi classic in that just because the monsters are well designed, yep. there's you know a lot of big guns and stuff like that. It's definitely something that that could be out there. You know the vibe I get from Gears if it was done in a way like Aliens was done. Yeah, I was thinking the same. Because or at the very least, Starship Troopers. Yeah, exactly. But see, Starship Troopers, and it's funny just just to veer in that direction for a minute. When you look at Starship Troopers on the surface, there's so much that they tried to push on that they tried to push on you from so many angles. You had you know all the political agendas that they tried to get in there, all the stuff that they try to that you know the 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 quote unquote uh, political landscape was a reflection on how society was moving in that direction and there was a lot of stuff that was actually uh, a reflection of some of the stuff that that's happening now i mean how funny is it that people cite uh idiocracy as as a film that kind of looked ahead to our current climate i mean don't get me wrong we're don't get me wrong we're not watering our crops with fucking gatorade but um there was there was definitely some parallels in there and it's always interesting to see stuff like that because again these are movies that are you know, Oscar contenders, blockbuster classics. They're just movies that touch on certain things that you just wouldn't expect from from films of that magnitude. I mean, even that, you know, Starship Troopers, you know, it's mindless, it's fun, it's crazy. 
but there was some some legit stuff there you know like the only way that you had any importance was being part of the military you know there was there was interesting uh underlying messages in that film absolutely and i think even you know that's i think what got me into the gears stories that there was you know these guys that they had to go you know the coalition of governments and they had to go out there and and, and you know defend defend their, the world from these from this you know subterranean race that was coming up trying to just uh, be be seen and and conquering the surface you know there was there was a lot of crazy stuff plus all the you know all the personal conflict and all the other shit that was going on i just felt that it was an incredibly an incredibly well-crafted story for a game that was essentially run, shoot, and hide, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, they 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 did, did a good job of trying to keep the story going. Right. Like, they, they didn't just use the same thing over and over again. They tried to change things up. Yep. And at the same time, kind of keep it with the... Um, the origins of the the series so for that i can you know definitely show my appreciation well you know what was funny it's it's amazing and you know it's uh, i always i always quote yoga from Spaceballs. how quickly there was merchandising merchandising because think about it man gears hoodies gears shirts gears this how many how many different gears consoles and controllers i mean even the the xbox one s is getting the gears bundle which uh danny and i were talking about yesterday you know like 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 that's how you know, and we we've talked about this before as well. When a game is it has become an institution that it has its own bundle, you know, Uncharted, Call of Duty, Gears, Halo, and of course, occasionally you have those games that they kind of want to make you think are going to be hits, but they're not. You know, that they just create bundles for like Sunset Overdrive. <laughs> you know, I'm right, man. They'll be like, oh, you know, you got to get the I, Sunset Overdrive bundle. And people are like, what the fuck is that? Why? Why? Like, I understand the, um, there was a Gran Turismo bundle at one point, right? Yes. Yeah. So I did buy that for my girlfriend at the time because she didn't have a PS2. Yep. But, but you see that there was a, a Gran Turismo bundle. There was, uh, you know, Project Gotham so, so again, it's like certain series, you know, it's like, all right, a bundle is a no-brainer, you know, Madden. But when it's just, oh, first-party game that no one's ever heard of is getting a bundle, it's like, huh? <laughs> well, he did it with Quantum Break. Another game that everybody was just like, oh, this game's going to be amazing. And it's like, we're going to make a bundle. It's like, again, I don't, I don't mind because if somebody's picking up a console for that game, that's a, that's a one-stop shop for, the, for it. But I just hate the the manufactured hype, you know, because you know which games are going to be the truth and which games aren't. Exactly. Like, like I knew that I knew that um, Sunset Overdrive would not be. Yep. I I just I just had that vibe. There was um, what the hell other game got a bundle that every I was like, why would that game get a bundle? Was it Crackdown? Did Crackdown have a bundle? Crackdown did not have a bundle. Crackdown had the Halo. Three or Halo Two demo in it. Right, that's what they did. the 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 old the old the old bait and switch. Never played it. The old bait and switch. Yep. But yeah, if you if, for those of you that are Gears fans, if you pre-order the game, you're going to get three characters and two gold guns. Uh, the other thing I did want to mention, um, we all know that Twitch is pretty much the end-all, be-all when it comes to streaming. Uh, YouTube, of course, has become a secondary home. Our very own slick leverages. 
uh, YouTube for his streams. You can uh, get the link for Slick's YouTube in the show notes. Uh, Twitch has become its own entity to the point where, you know, countless gaming personalities just live on Twitch. And on top of that, certain celebrities do as well. Um, you know, me as an MMA fan, like Rampage, uh, former UFC fighter Quentin Rampage Jackson, now for Bellator, has his Twitch channel. Uh, the wrestler Samoa Joe has his channel and a couple of other uh, actors, actresses and cosplayers and people in the industry have their dedicated channels. And it's crazy because, you know, when people are like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I stream the the automatic assumption is that you're streaming on Twitch because Twitch, like anything else, is the is the biggest game in town. Well, it's funny because the reason I'm talking about this is because Microsoft acquired a live streaming service called Beam. And um, it essentially puts it essentially puts Microsoft in competition with Twitch, which is crazy. We'll see how long that lasts. Well, according to 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 the big sell that they're doing, um, it says that that Beam's trademark feature is an interactive component that allows viewers to participate in what they're viewing, uh, similar to how when Twitch was doing the Twitch plays Pokemon, something like that. Remember when they did that? That was a whole big thing. I I did not catch that. So yeah, Twitch. Please Twitch, enlighten me. Twitch did a big group play event at one point um, for people playing Pokemon on Twitch, and it was just uh you know you'd be able to play the game and interact with the game through Twitch, and they they had a huge amount of people involved uh, with that, and you know it was one of those things where it just shows. It almost reminded me of a of a larger scale. Remember when we used to play one versus a hundred? Yeah. Like in that, that, in was, that, that was, those were good times. Exactly. In that same capacity, but obviously on a more broad scale. So, you know, you'll be able to do that according to this with with uh this beam company that Microsoft acquired. And what they're looking at also is that, you know, people will be able to put buttons on their streams and people can cast votes. Uh, participants can earn XP on their profiles, unlocking, you know, emo, uh, v- uh, you know, increased voting power. Um, the system also supports a stream delay of less than one second. So the short mm. delay, yeah, so the, the short delay, of course, is going to allow for faster interactivity, you know? Right. By the way, Danny, uh, let us know in the chat that the name of that Cliff Blazinski game is Lawbreakers, ah, which I'm you. looking at the... Uh, the website now basically it looks like a bunch of rejects from gears of war trying to trying to play overwatch oh jesus well you know you know what's funny i picked up overwatch and i've played it a little bit and i i I think maybe this week or next week i'm gonna sit down um i may i we i may we may not do shows the week of labor day weekend and i may actually just dial in and start doing some streams Cause I was I was futzing around with Overwatch and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to this game that I really just need to sink you know sink some time into. But you know, going back to the Beam acquisition, um, you know, there's a, you know one of the other things everybody's saying, you know, Beam is more mobile friendly with Android, iOS, Kindle, and Apple TV apps as well as Google Chromecast support. Um, you know, it's interesting though because obviously you know Xbox has a big relationship with Twitch now. So it's like, you know, you essentially bought a competitor to a service that you plug the shit out of. That's that's nothing new. It, it makes 
no sense. And companies, companies do stuff like that every day. I hear what you're saying, though. It's 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 going to be interesting to see the the horses run, so to speak. Well, the way I look at it is. In in Microsoft's acquisition of this company, they can in turn bolster the built-in offerings of streaming through your consoles without any sort of hardware. Because so, think about it. We can stream to Twitch from our consoles currently, but it's not exactly uh, perfect, <laughs> and that's putting it mildly. So by them acquiring a company like this whose infrastructure is a lot more – is a lot simpler – um, imagine being able to just stream from your console and create buttons and let's say drop them into OneDrive and be able to have your buttons for people to vote on the games you're playing or interact with the stream. And the fact that you have one second delay being able to slide the chat into your console window instead of having to have a separate window open on a laptop. There's there's ample there's ample room for for really, really interesting stuff. The only thing is, at this point, you know, Microsoft is, as much as I like Microsoft and I like what they do, they're notorious for starting and stopping stuff abruptly. You know, let's talk, you know, their acquisition of Nokia and countless other things that they said they were going to do and improve and, 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 and leverage. And before you know it, it's like, no, we just, we're, we're shifting priorities and that project would fall by the wayside. Let's put it this way, and then I'm going to give you an interesting visual Microsoft, when it comes to stuff like this, Microsoft needs Ritalin. Sad but true. And in terms of them purchasing Beam and them, you know, going up against Twitch and, and YouTube, as far as what I said, let's see how that horse race goes. Right. In terms of horse races, here's the visual. Remember that insane Japanese game that I showed you? Yes. For the horse race? Yes. That's exactly what it's going to look like. <laughs> you know, you know what the thing is, man, and, and this is this is how I see it. The 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 idea, and and we've talked about this casually in a couple of episodes. The idea of people watching you play games and people being paid for this is something that we would never have seen uh, as as viable fifteen years ago. I agree. You know, and now it's like their entire communities built on that, which is crazy. I mean, I did a, a, a test stream with you for one of the one of the fighting games that I was streaming, and like I said, people were like, it "Oh, what game?" Is-? Versus Capcom. Yeah, and people were like, "What the hell?" You know, people were were sending me messages and stuff later on, like, "Oh, what game was that that you were streaming? I've never seen that before." And I'm like, "Really." Okay. Really? Yeah, but that's but that's what I mean. Well, like, then again, SNK versus Capcom did not do very well. Hell no, that game was obscure as shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, you know this game is. We're, we're going to put out this game, and everybody's like, yeah, awesome. And then it's like, no, not really. <laughs> I remember I was so hyped for it. Yep. I got home, I put it on my Xbox. I was like, what is this shit? I mean, you know what though. Uh, the one that really tripped me out that I thought would have been super successful was, you know, Street Fighter X Tekken, and it really wasn't. It just which, wasn't. It, which bothered me because I'm like, you guys talked about all these crossovers and all this stuff. The company pulls the trigger on it, and you guys, yeah, I mean, the gems and all that shit was a bit of a of a stretch. Don't misunderstand. 
It definitely was not their finer moments. But at the end of the day, I commend Capcom for taking 3D uh, characters that fought on a, on a three-dimensional plane, making them more 2D friendly, and still making them look good. Because I got to admit, the art style for those for, for the Tekken characters in the Capcom universe was some of the best artwork I'd seen. The game was very good looking. It just, I, it just didn't sit well with too many people. Well, you know, Capcom's talking about bringing back Darkstalkers, which they're kind of pushing, and I've heard rumblings on and off. And I feel, and, and I'm, I'm bringing it, you know, I'm bringing this up for this reason. I feel that a game like Darkstalkers, again, much like you know, Street Fighter Cross Tekken, it's all well and good, but. I don't know how deep of an audience that really is. Like, I mean, yeah, streaming it at Evo and 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 stuff like that—that's huge. But how huge is it really? You know. Well, I mean, Evo itself is is a niche, so it's yep. not going to be that. Big. Right, but what I'm saying is that it, there's still there's still a market, meaning that you know you can still go to Evo and see you know a Killer Instinct tournament with some with some legit money up for grabs or. You know, a Smash Brothers tournament, which there are plenty, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there definitely is a market for it, but it's just a point where you got to ask yourself, hey, we're going to put this game out, we're going to invest all this R&D, and we're going to put it out there. How big of a, of, a, of a turnout can you really expect? And again, I love Darkstalkers. I thought it was amazing. But you're also talking to a guy that loves Star Gladiator, that loved Rival Schools, you know? How well a dark Darkstalkers, I guess this would be four or maybe five, would do, it depends upon, honestly, more than anything, it really depends upon how much Capcom was willing to sink into marketing. Because okay. with Street Fighter, you don't really have to do too much. You just got to say, hey, Street Fighter's coming. Oh, my God, it's been like a fucking Street Fighter. Yeah, pretty much. That's how they got me. Like, that's how they got me I'm not gonna lie there's a good bunch of people that love Darkstalkers but um if you don't market it because especially since Darkstalkers hasn't hasn't seen a new title in ages if you don't market it there's gonna be there's a whole new crop of gamers that you say Darkstalkers they're like what the hell is that is that is that that movie with with, um what's the name (laughs) A chick from Underworld. Is that some Resident Evil shit? Yeah, it's Sad like they, but true. they've never seen Darkstalkers. Or, or you know what they what they have seen? They've seen glimpses of it. You know, from characters that pop up in like Marvel versus Capcom. You know what I mean? Like in that in ensemble pieces, not individual games. And that's the other thing. They they how would they do it? Would they stay two D? Or would they do the two two and a half D that they're doing with Street Fighter? I think they would probably implement the Street Fighter interface, you know, the Street Fighter layout, only because it's something that's already become uh, a, a a household and defining factor for the series, you know. I hear you, and, and I think what they would really need to do, like right before. Right before launch, like a month before launch, throw out a trailer and I can't even think of anybody off the top of my head. Just have a Street Fighter character, a staple Street Fighter character show up in the game like 
As far as creepy, about the only person I could think of that was fitting there would be freaking Bison. Right. Someone recognizable. No, no, that that definitely works. I think that the bigger the bigger the bigger factor for me with a game like that is the same thing that we're kind of keeping an eye on with the release of King of Fighters, where you have a franchise with an incredible history behind it, um, debuting on a, on a brand new set of platforms, and you want actually it's just one. Well, yeah, but or you know what? It, I, but you know what I mean. You know, in terms of it's still a you know a new a new landscape. You know, it's not the old PS2, you know, PS2 Dreamcast days. You know, like like even right. though even though the division of consoles and we've talked about this is is basically name only. At the end of the day, that's it. Because in terms of looks and everything else, they essentially most games look pretty much the fucking same. It's just about what we've talked about before: exclusivity. Like obviously. PlayStation 4 has, you know, the uh, King of Fighters. They got Street Fighter. They'd probably get Darkstalkers. You see what I mean? So they'd, they're they becoming the console of choice for a fighting genre. Yes. So in that in that respect, that's what I mean. It's, it's arriving on a new landscape where you're essentially stuck in one, in one plane. Where it's like, oh, look, we're next gen, but you're only next gen in one place. As much as I love Capcom and Street Fighter, I kind of felt that it was short-sighted that they didn't put the game on both systems. I can agree and disagree because they put it on PC. They did, but you also... I I see what you're saying in terms of King of Fighters because that literally is only on PlayStation 4. Right. But Street Fighter 5 is on PC, and considering the Xbox has... The Xbox, not even saying the Xbox One, the Xbox Series has never really been the fighting game console. Right. It's more the the sports and the shooter console. Right. I could see them not putting it on the on Xbox One as long as it went on PC because the PlayStation, again, just the series, has always been the fighting game console. And with PC... People not only can, you know, use PlayStation uh, controllers or, like, fighting sticks, that, that's also the modding community. I mean, look at all the insane mods that came up with the Street Fighter Four character. No, Imagine I, what they're going to do with, with Street Fighter Five. No, I, I definitely understand that, but I also got to look at it from this perspective, and this is what I'm saying. You put it on the PC. One of the things that Microsoft's already doing is doing, you know, cross-platform PC versus Xbox, you know? That's already a thing. So you can essentially leverage that for, for another audience. Same way that PS4 is leveraging it on their end. Xbox, hello, PC, built with fucking Windows. You get what I mean? Like, there's, there's, yeah. there's a niche there. Again, I'm not saying that you got to go out there and make it a thing and... You know, maybe PlayStation 4 gets a one-year window of exclusivity, and then maybe Xbox One gets it the following year. But what I'm saying is that console exclusivity, unless it's first-party stuff, that's fine. But third-party console exclusivity, I just feel is bullshit, because you're, you're essentially slitting your own throat. Rich, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, you cut out on me for a second. Well, I don't know, maybe that was my phone. Yeah, I'm to you know like Uncharted. We'll never see Uncharted on Xbox. Totally understand, but fucking Street Fighter. Come on, K 
King of Fighters. You know, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, it's it's no different than us never probably seeing Mario on a on a Sony or Microsoft console. Never say never, but as far as we can see, that'll never happen. And that's what I'm saying. Like, for for companies that have these these games, the, especially IPs that are so well recognized, you gotta leverage your entire audience, and you're not. For what? For a couple of extra bucks that the that the publisher is gonna get 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 in its pockets. Last time I checked, there wasn't a Street Fighter PS4 bundle, right? <laughs> I think there was with Street Fighter Four, though. Was there really? I think so. I'm like, don't quote me on it. I think there was. Okay, but, but there wasn't a PS. There was not a Street Fighter Five one. No. There you go. But that's what I mean. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, console exclusivity. Okay. It's so exclusive that we're gonna put a, we're gonna put out a bundle for that game, but then again, like like think about it. Tomb Raider was exclusive, and they did a Tomb Raider bundle, right? Well, Tomb Raider was never actually exclusive. Well, it was it in, just, in a, in a limited a window, timed exclusive. Right, it was a timed exclusive, but it was timed enough that they made consoles with it bundled. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like why couldn't what? It's like. Clearly, clearly, the belief in Street Fighter wasn't that strong when they didn't even do that. That's 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 where I, that's my that's my stance on it. You know, you put out a, a I don't know a, a white a white PlayStation with you know Ryu on it or a red one with Ken or some you know what I mean I guarantee you people would have bought that shit. There was a Street Fighter for um, PS4. Okay, it was European. Aha! What did it have? What was so special about it? Anything? Uh, absolutely nothing. It's a black PS4. See, it, and it, the, the the box has Street Fighter. Actually, excuse me, no, Street Fighter Five. It's not Street Fighter Four. Street Fighter Five PS4. Really? In the UK? Yep. I will drop the picture in one second. See, but think about that. They drop it in the UK. Not to say that the UK isn't. You know, doesn't have a, an active fighting game fan base. But come on, man. You mean to tell me you didn't drop a Street Fighter Five bundle in fucking Japan? I don't know if they didn't drop it in Japan, but, you know, like a lot of the, the console bundles that we get, other areas don't get. Like, I like I told you, I, being a big Hitman fan, surprisingly, Hitman is not very big in the U.S., at least not that I've seen, but it's very big in Europe. Like when I post a video, right? Or when I do a stream, or like the guy I told you about last week, the Nelly Beast does a stream, right? Ninety percent of the people that show up are freaking European. Like it's like two in the morning here. It's like where are you, dude? Well, here's here's something, and 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 I'll put this out before before we wrap things up. Think about this: Batman came out, the last Batman game had a had a special edition PS4 for the game. Game sold a shit ton. PS4 sold left and right because it was such an awesome design that people had to buy it. And this is what I'm saying. You know, console exclusivity is great if you believe in the IP enough that you're willing to put your own hardware up for it. And I just feel that Street Fighter, as much as I love the series, should have just been multi-platform. Simple as that. Because think about it. Rocket League... Is pretty much on all the consoles now. They're uh, they're going to integrate cross-platform play across you know Xbox and PlayStation Four. 
why why is a, a third party dev that's just really burst on the scene willing to innovate and take the genre forward and take gaming forward versus the guys who are you know at the top of the food chain resting on their laurels oh you can only get street fighter 5 on ps4 okay great you answered your own question yeah but think about it the indies are hungry right the indies are hungry guys at the top of the food chain are resting on their laurels Right, but think about this. It's just the way it is. How can a I'm not third, saying it's right, but that's the way it is. But how is a third-party dev going to burst on the scene and go, yo, we're going to do cross-platform play before the fuckers that are already there? And, and, and again, not even a Capcom thing, but even an EA thing. You guys put out Madden. Great example. You guys put out Madden. Why can't you... Why, why couldn't there be cross-platform play between PlayStation 4 Madden gamers and Xbox One gamers. They're all going through EA, EA servers. I actually have an answer for that because EA pretty much prides themselves on going, you can only do this on PS4. You can only do this on Xbox. That's fucking stupid. Think, think about it. Pretty much every game they put out, they'll be, they're like, you can only do this on this console. I just think that, I just think that, that entire outlet, you know, that entire platform... Of of that, especially now, is ridiculous. Like, you know, I'll throw this out there before we wrap up the gaming segment. Apple's Apple is working on a new MacBook Pro, right? And a lot of the stuff that's been put out about it says that they're creating a MacBook Pro that is more friendly to not just creators, you know, music creators and, 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 and filmmakers, but also gamers, because think about it. People go, they'll buy a Razer laptop or they'll buy an MSI Predator or or whatever, you know, high-end game Alienware. But these same people sometimes end up owning Macs that they have to they 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 aren't even able to use because they don't play well in that space. That just well, shows you how shit is changing. Even if they make the the, the um, Macs friendly to the gamers, it's going to be a, a stretch because not a lot of developers are making their games for Mac. Right, but I mean, think about this. If you make a, a Mac Pro spec'd out enough that you can play games on it, you can dual boot Mac and Windows. But the other thing is, if you're using your 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 gaming laptop for streaming or for, you know, strong that side that type of a presence, and you already own the Mac, you're going to render, edit, and do everything on the Mac. Why not also be the vehicle that delivers the content, too? See what I mean? I, I hear you. It's just that it's, it's not, unfortunately, not as easy, just as easy as just making the machine work for, for gaming. Of course. I, I definitely agree. But it just, I, I, I only circled back on that for, you know, for the reason that, you know, when the guys that did Rocket League were talking about cross-platform play, they were like, it's just a matter of flipping a switch and Xbox gamers can play PS4 gamers. Like, that was it. Like, it was just a matter of all we got to do is flip a switch and get Sony's okay, and that's it. Just think about that. At the end of the day, whether your money's coming from a PS4 owner or an Xbox owner, the money is still green. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, the, that's, that's my, you know, no pun intended, that's my take on it. Uh, aside from that, is there anything else gaming-related you wanted to add? Yes, sir. What do you got? Um, I guess I won't get too much into it because we'll be here for another hour, but 
just with the release of No Man's Sky, I I, I just want to say I don't really understand the hate. Because <laughs> the... There's a lot of mixed feeling yes. on the game. Yes, there is. But when the game was being made, I mean, they said that there's something like in the quintillions. And for those that can't fathom that number, let me give a lay term. There's a shitload of planets in the game, and they're procedurally generated. Why would you not think this is an exploration game? This is true. People are mad because they're like, all you do is walk around looking for stuff and collect a bunch of freaking elements and stuff. I'm like, well, you're one person in a one-person starfighter. You don't seem to have like a, like a, a base of operations. Right. So uh, you thought that shit was just going to run forever and have unlimited fuel and freaking ammo and shit? Pretty much. I mean, could they could they make the game that way? Absolutely. But with a game like that, you wouldn't think that there's stuff to collect and shit to explore? I agree. What would be the point of making not only so many planets, but every planet is supposed to be different? I what agree. What would be the point if you're not supposed to explore them? Yep, I agree 100%. I think that's fucking stupid. The game is basically... I mean, they, if they had got the rights, of course, they could have just called the shit Starfleet because all you are going to do is run around exploring the unknown. Literally, you're going where no one has gone before. Well, I, I got to say this. People complain about the lack of innovation, the lack of creativity. The only way that we're going to move forward in any genre, in any space, is to try new things. And if this game is, you know, just an experimental, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to showcase this and we're going to do this it may lead to more innovative and creative thinking for future titles, you know? I mean, I, I watched a guy freaking, I watched a guy's YouTube one. He played it for about 40 minutes. And he did a lot of cuts and stuff. He said it was actually about two hours worth of gameplay. He cut it down about 40 minutes. All Literally, and it's true, all he did was run around collecting stuff because I think the first thing you have to do is fix your ship because it crashed land. But, you know, it's crazy because it gives you a realistic idea of how you would travel through space, like if you're just on thrusters versus if you're on, like, hyperdrive, because, like, the time to reach a planet goes from, like, hours down to 10 minutes. But, and that's the other thing, people complain about how long it takes to get places. I'm like, it's going for realism in space travel. You know what space it is? travel is not fast. When I saw that, even at freaking light speed, it's not fast. When I saw that concept and I saw the game and I saw some of the streams, I said to myself, and this was purely just in jest, but it's funny. I said, so essentially, you took that movie where Matt Damon was trapped on Mars and made a game. That's what you're saying. <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. That's why. And again, it's not a dig at the game. I think the game is 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 a. Uh, it, it's a you know it it was a gamble. It was creative, it was unique, it was different, but think about it. You've essentially created Matt Damon in space, the game. That's it. And again, not a dig. All I know is I want to I try it. I don't right. know if I want to pay 60 bucks for it, but I want to try it. No, I think, I think that what's being done in that game, again, is unique, and it's different, and it's, it's something that's 
You know, sometimes you don't want to play the game where you want to shoot people for 45 minutes. Sometimes you need something therapeutic and tranquil. How many times did I come on air and I used to say I used to play Little Big Planet when I was stressed? But there's also from, at least, again, unless they've taken it out, there's also space combat. There is. But, again, this is what I'm saying. Like, people have these four, these these expectations that if you're not the developer and you're not immediately involved in the game, you shouldn't have. You're you're basing opinions on a couple of trailers and some, you know, some other stuff, and that's what's going to sell you on the game. And then either you buy it and you think it's as good as, as you know, the 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 propaganda led you to believe, or you don't like it. That's that's the freedom of choice. I just don't like that people are jumping on board being super disparaging for a game that they haven't had ample time to immerse themselves in. If you played the game for a month and you still didn't like it, that's fine. You're entitled to that. But you're basing your opinion on an hour or two of gameplay. It is unfair. Well, like I said, I, I'll, I'll see when I get my hands on it, you know, whether I think that it's it's that repetitive that, you know, it's it's not worth it. Because I, I, a lot of games that I love are repetitive. Cowboy Kabasi. There you go. The last thing I wanted to go into was Mafia 3. I just want to say right now, it's it's August 12th. Right. So we're minus five days. We're, we're two months away from the launch of this game. I guarantee you in October, we're going to be talking about controversy left and right. I'm sure. Because the trailer that came out today, Mafia 3 makes... Grand Theft Auto Five. So, for, if if everything that's in that trailer is in the game, which I believe it is, it makes Grand Theft Auto Five look like the Smurfs, because uh-huh. Grand Theft Auto Five had comedy in it. Like there there was levity in it, despite all the violence and everything. Right. It doesn't look like there's much comedy in Mafia Three, and just from a three minute trailer, this. This is what I picked up on it. If anybody hasn't seen that trailer, head on over to racework.net. It's right there. I, I can't say MMA because this is 1968. So underground fights. Right. You know, beating people on the ground to the death underground fights. There's people being fed to crocodiles. Nice. You got strippers, and I, I do mean strippers, and, like, Freaks like the the kind of <laughs> I get what you mean. Let's let's just say people people living alternative lifestyles. Because I was about to say, <laughs> go down to Greenwich Village on Halloween. But yeah, actually that that pretty much fits freaks. Okay. You got when I say violence, and this isn't like this. I don't think this is cutscenes again. I think this is gameplay. Stabbing stabbing people like not slitting people in the throat. Stabbing people in the throat from the under the soft palate and just going in. Wow! And most of all, KKK. Oh, fun times! I've never seen. I mean, I'm sure. Well, there are games I have seen. Games I've never played a game with the KKK in it. Nice. I will more than likely take some pleasure in oh, erasing them when I when I run into them. There you go. But um, also, unlike Grand Theft Auto titles, at least in you know within the the um, the context of each title, I don't. It doesn't look like 
Mr. Lincoln Clay, who, again, if you're not familiar, is the protagonist of Mafia 3, it looks like he might not have a happy ending because the, the, um, the trailer starts in 1971, three years after the, the events of the game, and it has a guy facing a U.S. Senate committee. Mm. So when a game is called Mafia, <laughs> and you got a guy who's facing the U.S. Senate, that's, that smells, uh, we're trying to pin conspiracy on a motherfucker. This is true. So oh, I don't I don't know how good things are gonna turn out for Mr. Clay and that in itself, minus everything else I mentioned, makes the game interesting to me. It looks good, man. I mean the trailers and the assets that we've received thus far have given me a lot of hope. I'm like, wow, this is gonna be one of those games that definitely people are gonna talk about. Either either they're gonna really love it for the realism or they're gonna be or they're gonna hate it because the realism hits a little too close to home i think that it's going to catch a lot of hate and that's actually going to make it sell even better i could see that and uh 2k will give you a lot of press here give us free copies of this game and 2k 17 for rich there you go that's the, that's the that's the plan that is the plan my friend uh with that is there anything else you wanted to add here's one quick thing i want to add it is now august 12th it is friday do you feel that itch that it's not Friday the 19th? You don't have your Note 7 in your hand? That's okay. Uh, pre-ordered and... No, I pre-ordered it too. Well, but here's, a, here's like, the kicker. Give me my damn phone. Give me my phone. Well, here's, here's the funny <laughs> thing. I pre-ordered it, and the guy told me that once my pre-order goes through, that I may get delivery by Tuesday. Yeah. You know, Rich, I, I, I love you. Like, <laughs> I, I really love you because you, you're like, you're not like you are family to me. But I'm not even going to say what I'm feeling to you right now. Well, you know what it is, dude? You got to look at it this way. And, and the guy clarified when I said that. I'm like, you guys, how does that work? And they're like, listen, you know, the, the date that you are given by the by the carrier, but well, in this case, by by the manufacturer is the date that every retailer that's supposed to carry the phone is supposed to have it in stock. But in terms of fulfillment, if you're not shipping it directly to the retailer and shipping it directly to the consumer, it doesn't even matter. You you may you may yeah, you may yeah, have yeah, that same right. benefit. And you may get that same benefit. You yeah. don't know. You may you may have pre ordered it and you may turn around and get a package Wednesday. Well, the only reason and maybe I'm jinxing myself saying this, but you're dealing with T Mobile and I'm dealing with Verizon Wireless. Verizon Wireless has well, just Verizon in general, unfortunately, has a habit of following the rules. Okay. So I see myself getting it on Friday. Yeah, well, the guy told me. He was like, when the four, when the pre-orders for the 4 and the 5 came out, the people that pre-ordered the 5 got the 5, some, some of them the week, the week prior to release, some of them days before the release. So it remains to be seen. Like I said... I don't really care either way. I, I pre-ordered it. I know I'm going to get it. Would I like to get it a little early? Sure. Would I, would I be against getting it the, on the day of? I, you know, it doesn't matter. I think maybe I'm, I have the itch more just because of the fact that I have an older phone at this point. And right. it's doing that thing where it knows it's about to be replaced. So yes. it's really giving me shit right now. Yes, I have that happen. I like to call that the, uh, the, the tech foreshadowing. <laughs> But 
the reason why the other reason why I think that at least for me that 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 might not happen is that I don't think Verizon's even charged me yet. Ah, there you go. Yeah, I get charged once it ships. So once I say, hey, my bank account is a couple of shillings lighter, you'll know that the phone is en route. Gotcha. All right. Anything else, my friend? No, nah, I'm good for now. We'll take care. We'll pick this up next week. You got it, buddy. As always, uh, thank you for the assist. All right, man. All right, brother. Peace. Peace. There you have it, guys. Our very own Slick. You can find his content on RageWorks.net. You can also get links to his YouTube channel as well as the RageWorks YouTube channel in the show notes for this week's episode. Let us switch gears and jump into the entertainment news. Uh, we got a lot to discuss. Want to get that Suicide Squad five-minute review out of the way and uh, get into the week's news. Let's get to it. So I want to open things up with my brand new segment, the five minute movie review. And uh, we're going to try and do that every week following a release of a film. And um, this week, I figured we get the ball rolling with Suicide Squad. As many of you know, Suicide Squad was highly anticipated. There was a ton of press, a lot of assets and a lot of information put out as the film got closer and closer to release to the point where during San Diego Comic-Con, there was a three-minute trailer for the film that was put out. And a couple of things. Uh, first off, the the necessity to release 18 trailers for a movie before it comes out, you piece all the trailers together, you'll have seen 25% of the movie, sometimes more. And in some cases, the trailers don't even have the scenes that are shown in the movie. So when Suicide Squad got up to its three-minute trailer, I said to myself, you know, three-minute trailer is a lot, considering that there's the international trailer, the domestic trailer, uh, 17 different TV spots, and they gave up a lot of stuff. So by the time Suicide Squad finally rolled around, I went to see it that Saturday. I went to see it in RPX. Um, You know, there was a 3D IMAX version of the film, but many people said that the the film was not, uh, it wasn't Cree, it wasn't done uh, in a way that would leverage IMAX or 3D effectively, so you were better served just seeing it uh, regular. So yeah, if you did see it in IMAX and you saw it in 3D, I'm sure your experience was probably comparable to me, uh, to my experience. But as for the film itself, there was a lot that went into the film that I felt was well executed, and I'm going to get into spoiler territory, so I'm going to give you guys a few seconds to fast forward if you wish before I continue. All right, that's it. Spoiler time. So I felt that what was utilized for the film in terms of the characters was very good, but I felt it was very rushed. Like as soon as the film started, it was like, boom, we're going to jump into it. And as we introduce the characters, we're going to kind of give you their origins while at the same time cultivating a story which some people felt that the pacing was fine. I, you know, I felt that the pacing was a little too quick considering the amount of stuff that was done and the amount of stuff that was left on the cutting room floor. Overall, I thought that, that was one of the issues with the film. In addition, I also felt that the hard sell that was done for the Joker was 
was, you know, amicable because they wanted to use that as a way to get asses in seats. But it did in the end under deliver because the Joker did not have as much screen time as you would have thought. In addition, I felt that the antagonists, the villains of the film were they were okay. It just there wasn't a lot of it just they just felt very shallow. The villains, especially the second villain, because there are two. I felt they were very shallow in terms of just facing off against a, 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 a bunch of characters that had so much. Uh, depth to them so that that really bothered me um soundtrack was cool i felt the soundtrack was was an was an unsung hero in the film i think it worked uh for some characters more than others but i think that that was one of the high points uh in terms of cameo appearances there are two of them i don't want to spoil those because it's not fair to some people one has already been spoiled and that's batman but i will say this how much batman are you going to get while people are aware that Batman is in the film, the the impact of the character it throughout the story was was probably one of the more well done facets of the film. Um, in terms of high points, I got to say when it comes to the characters on screen, uh, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller was tremendous. Uh, probably the you know for those of you that were expecting, and I joked about this, Nick Fury in a dress. Uh, sadly. That's not what you're getting. You're getting someone who's cold, calculated, and cunning, and has zero zero remorse when it comes to putting putting the her needs and the needs of the organization she represents before anyone else. Uh, amazing work by Viola Davis. Stellar work for sure. Um, I gotta say, Will Smith's Deadshot. You know, there were a lot of people that were like, oh, you know, you made Deadshot black, whatever the case may be. I felt, you know, whatever. It wasn't a big deal. Um, Will Smith and his work as Deadshot was probably one of the high points of the film from beginning to end. Every aspect of, of the character that was done uh, borrowed from the books, borrowed from the source material, and just added that that level of intensity, but also five-star acting that will smith is known for doing uh definitely one of the high points of the film i also felt that jay hernandez's diablo was a a very compelling character i felt that hernandez did an amazing job of just creating a character that was conflicted but that also was incredibly powerful uh captain boomerang was a favorite um you know there was the there was a lot of jokes about his character, and they had a lot of fun with him. I think Jai Courtney was out there having a good time, and it definitely showed on screen. And, of course, um, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie's Harley was – she had a lot going on that really was very, very close to the source material. But I just felt that her chemistry with the Joker and with Jared Leto – it just it just wasn't there. And a lot of people are saying, yeah, but, you know, it's hard to give Jared Leto a fair shot because many of us are still, uh, you know, we have such a high bar with Heath Ledger. But I walked into the film expecting a different, you know, just a different spin on the character. And I understand a lot of what was done. And I respect that they took it to a different place. But I just felt that the chemistry that was seen between him and Harley just wasn't it just didn't it didn't resonate with me as a fan and if you guys are longtime comic readers or have watched Batman the animated the animated series you know that the Joker's relationship with Harley 
uh, was abusive, dark, and you know, it's some it, it wasn't healthy in the least. And it's funny because they, you know, they what they did was an accord, and this was you know was been confirmed by the cast and by Margot Robbie and Jared Leto that there was a lot of stuff left on the cutting room floor when it came to Harley and the Joker. And I think that that was a big mistake because that relationship is very, 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 very important. Uh, it carries over into the Batman narrative. It carries over into just the way the characters uh, are portrayed. And I just felt it was definitely lacking. Now, in terms of the overall film, like I said, I understood what DC was trying to accomplish like anything else. It's a it's a cog in a bigger machine. And unfortunately, much like DC has been doing, it executed in a lot of parts, but it also had its fair share of shortcomings. Uh, I gave the film three out of five stars because, again, I understand I understand the long game. And it was a fun movie. There, there, there was a lot of the movie that was fun. It was like, all right, this is kind of cool. It's nice to see the the stuff on screen. And again, there was a lot of stuff, a lot of Easter eggs. If you're a longtime comic fan, uh, they were definitely a plenty. Uh, like I said, I gave it three out of five stars. I recommend that if you're a comic fan and are someone who wants to see what DC can do, you check it out. But you could, you could be, you could. Definitely, it would not kill you if you waited for it to come out on on DVD and Blu-ray or or streaming. Only because it was good. It laid some 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 good found you know it laid some good bricks towards the foundation of the DC Cinematic Universe. But it wasn't something that you had to line up for on day one. That's all I'm saying. Um, Post credit scenes. There is there's some mid credit stuff that you definitely should see. And it would be a disservice if you didn't. Uh, so please make sure to stick around after the credits. You don't have to go all the way to the end, but definitely stick around for some some very cool uh, mid-credits goodness. So there you have it. That's our first five-minute review of Suicide Squad. If you want something a little more detailed and, in, and, and with a little bit more meat to it, head over to RageWorks.net forward slash RW dash review dash Suicide Squad dash rpx or just punch in suicide squad in the search on the site and you'll be able to pull up the review as always i'd love to hear your thoughts on it feel free to share it in the comments for the review itself or even in the comments for this episode all right a couple of things i want to talk about there's some upcoming movie stuff some tv stuff and i want to talk about uh something that came out of tv line recently that was um news regarding hulu which, as many of you know, Hulu is a streaming service that provides access to network shows, and it has two tiers. You got your free tier with commercials, and then you have your paid tiers. Well, Hulu is effectively doing away, effective immediately doing away with the pay with the free ad supported service, and it will now only be subscription. You will have either the seven ninety nine a month plan, which has commercials, or the ad free eleven ninety nine plan without commercials um you know this is one of those things where in in a in an age where services are becoming more and more a la carte i actually thought that hulu had genuinely done away with the free offering uh earlier i didn't even think that it was still going on but now it looks like hulu is shifting the narrative towards you know their paid tiers and 
like I said, I'm not shocked, but if you are somebody who wanders in there and checks out Hulu's content for free, uh, be advised that very soon, if not already, that will no longer be the case. But again, if you're one of those people that is laying out money here and there for cable, if you get yourself an HD antenna, uh, maybe a Netflix subscription and perhaps Hulu or Amazon Prime, you might be pretty covered in regards to most of your content, obviously you're going to have some stuff you're going to miss. Uh, but I think that it, when it comes to cord cutting, there's a lot more. There's a there there are a lot more options at your disposal. Of course, there's other alternative means as well. Uh, obviously, you got your Roku stick, you got your your Apple TV, and of course other other methods that I'm not going to get into. But again, you know the consumption of content has evolved so much and has become so a la carte. That, like I said, if you got Hulu, Netflix, and maybe HBO, HBO Now, you got maybe 15 for HBO Now, 10 for Netflix, that's 25. Um, you know, maybe you decide to pay the, the, the additional $12 for Hulu, that's 37 If you ended up getting all those streaming services, it would probably be substantially less than your cable bill, factored in, factoring in also an HD over-the-air antenna. There's there's definitely room for uh you know a cord cutting future for for many people but if you are one of those people that has been accessing Hulu for free those days are definitely numbered. All right, jumping back into some big screen stuff, got to talk a little DC as it's been confirmed that development for a second Man of Steel film is happening. So with that with that said, many of you probably thought that Batman versus Superman was the direct sequel to Man of Steel, but that is not the case. It is its own movie, and the Man of Steel is going to have its own sequel. As of right now, there is no details regarding directors and and um, villains or additional casting outside of Henry Cavill, of course, reprising his role as Superman Clark Kent. But um, it's definitely going to happen. You know, the rap reported on it that they've decided to move forward and that it is a top priority for the studio. And again, this is one of those things that doesn't shock me because even though people sit there and they give DC a hard time, they are making good money at the box office. It's not Marvel level money, but it's still a a, a substantial amount nonetheless, but definitely something to be aware of if you were a fan of Man of Steel or Superman in general, that there is a second film in development. Of course, once I hear more, I will share that with you guys. The other bit of news I wanted to share was regarding Aquaman, where rumors have been floating around that the villain for the upcoming Aquaman film will be Black Manta. Many of you know that Black Manta is a uh, one of Aquaman's more iconic villains. I'd probably put him up there with Ocean Master as, you know, the two guys that are depicted the most in Aquaman books. And I'm not shocked. I think that using Black Manta is important. Um, It sets up quite a few things, obviously. You know, you give Aquaman a villain that has, you know, that's that has a some equal ferocity to the character. You know, Black Manta definitely is 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 a take no prisoners, pull no punches kind of guy. And I think that having him mixing it, mix it up with a guy like Jason Momoa's Aquaman is going to create some very, very interesting on screen moments. Uh, the casting hasn't been confirmed officially yet. I believe, you know, James Wan was asked about it recently and um, he kind of just shrugged it off like, oh, how do you guys know about that? Blah, blah, blah. He kind of didn't really 
apply a lot of energy to it. But, you know, it was interesting that his denial was, you know, kind of a wink and a nod, like, man, I can't talk about this stuff. I'm going to get in trouble. But the other interesting thing that came out of it was a tweet from actor Michael K. Williams, who many of you may know as Omar Little from The Wire, Chalky White from Boardwalk Empire. You may know him from his work with Vice, uh, his work on RoboCop alongside Joe Kinnaman and a ton of other movies. He actually put a tweet out. Um, please make it that uh, uh, an individual put out a, a tweet that said that to have Michael K. Williams play Black Manta in an Aquaman movie. And he actually retweeted it and said, let's go. So clearly there's uh, there's interest from the actor uh, in to portray Black Manta on the big screen. I think that Michael K. Williams is a an incredibly underrated actor. I've I've talked about the amazing work he's done in every role that he's been in from the smallest to the largest. And I think that putting him who who is capable of some some amazing on screen intensity alongside a guy like Jason Momoa who who just exude you know the 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 intensity comes out of that guy's pores when you look at him. I think definitely it's something worth exploring, and I would not mind seeing it. What do you guys think of Michael K. Williams as Black Manta? Uh, definitely going to put that in the Facebook group. Make sure to look for RageWorks on Facebook. You can also join our group and interact with listeners, readers, and our staff. Uh, I'm going to pose that in there and see what people think, but I think it would it would definitely be awesome to see that. That's for damn sure. Like I said, the guy's the guy's amazing work on the wire, Boardwalk Empire, Twelve Years a Slave. Uh, he's in the Night of as as Freddy. Uh, really good. He's also going to be in Assassin's Creed with uh, Michael Fassbender. So the guy definitely has a th- uh, a very very full plate. But I think he would he would definitely do a kick ass job in in that role. That's for sure. Another actor I wanted to talk about this in this side in in this story more so on the Marvel side is uh, Bokeem Woodbine. For those of you that don't know, Bokeem Woodbine has been a, a staple in, in, in Hollywood for quite some time. Uh, sometimes, he, you know, one of my favorite roles was his role in the big hit with Mark Wahlberg. Also, the movie Strapped, which was on HBO. Uh, definitely a ver- another underrated and very talented actor. Um, he has actually been cast in the upcoming Spider-Man film, which is crazy. He is... Um, you know, it's it's funny because it hasn't it hasn't been confirmed, but they're saying that he is actually going to be playing the Shocker, which uh, that would be pretty interesting. Obviously, you know, the Vulture's already been confirmed for the film, but there's there's strong rumors that Bokeem Woodbine will be playing the Shocker in the Spider-Man movie. Of course, uh, Michael Chernis will be playing the role of the Tinker, who, if you're familiar with Spider-Man books, he creates a lot of tech for some of Spider-Man's villains um, in the books. So, obviously, I'm sure he's going to be involved in the creation of the Vulture suit, and I wouldn't be shocked to see um, him being involved in some of the sonic weaponry that the Shocker uses. So, again, right now, you know, comicbook.com put it out that, you know, Bokeem Woodbine would would possibly be playing the Shocker uh, once I get confirmation, of course, I'll share that with you guys. But um, I think that's some pretty cool casting. I think that the Shocker is an underrated villain. He's usually a coward in the books, but he's had moments where he's been pretty badass. Um, usually part of uh, the Deadly Foes of Spider-Man. I remember he was a big part in that book uh, alongside uh, Speed Demon and the Beetle and a couple of other characters. I, I'm curious to see how they pull that off. I think the Shocker might work on screen. That's for sure. 
Last bit of comic-related movie and TV news is the character from DC, The Ray, is actually going to get an animated series on the CW Seed, much like Vixen has been has had the opportunity to be showcased via that medium. Uh, the interesting and very cool thing is that The Ray becomes the first LGBT hero to star in his own series. Uh, definitely very cool to see that. Also interesting to see if his... If his debut on CW Seed will also carry over to any of the current offerings on the CW from DC's Legends of Tomorrow to Flash or Arrow or Supergirl. But the Ray will be heading to CW Seed. So keep an eye out for that. When when people hear about the Chronicles of Narnia, they think about those first three films that were put out with Liam Neeson as Aslan the Lion. Um, you know, before the you know the harry potter universe really came into full swing i thought that the lion the witch and the wardrobe and those films prince caspian uh you know voyage of the dawn treader were were really solid films i thought that they were they had the potential to become genuine household names and while they did for a brief period of time obviously it's not on par with films like harry potter or lord of the rings nonetheless it looks like hollywood is going to revisit uh, Narnia with an upcoming film, which is going to be the silver chair. That's the fourth book in CS Lewis's series. And, um, it looks like they're going to move forward with that. There's no release date yet, but considering that each of the films that came out were considered successful to some degree and failure and failure and failures in another, for instance, uh, the lion, the witch and the wardrobe brought in four seven hundred and forty five million dollars worldwide versus Prince Caspian, which was considered a disappointment at $419.7 million on a $225 million budget. Uh, the third film, like I said, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, was $415 million on a $155 million budget, which, considering how, how, that, how that pales in comparison to the first film, I can see why Hollywood would deem the second and third films failures, but still... You know, four hundred and fifteen and four hundred and nineteen million dollars isn't a number that you could just thumb your nose at. But nonetheless, we're going to see what happens, and we will see if the silver chair uh, brings the C.S. Lewis story, you know, the stories back into the mainstream. We'll see what happens once I get a release date, casting, and director notes. Of course, I will share that with you guys. Now. A couple of months back, we were talking about the possibility of a female version of the Ocean's Eleven series. Um, you know, it was on and off, casual rumors here and there. They said that it would tie into the George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Ocean's Eleven remakes. And um, as of today, it appears that they are moving forward with it with an October start date. Um, it's going to be directed by Gary Rose thus far. Uh, the, the the ladies involved in the casting are Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett. It looks like Anne Hathaway, Rihanna, Helena Bonham Carter, and Mindy Kaling may also be joining the cast as well. Uh, there's also reports that stars of the contemporary trilogy will also appear in the film that is slated to be released um, in twenty. I believe it's 2017 or 2018. Um, you know, people are going to look at this and be like, you know, the female Ghostbusters didn't work. Why are you going to spin off such an iconic series as Ocean's Eleven? Listen, the Ocean's remakes 
were at the time when they announced the remake of the first Ocean's Eleven film. I was like, eh, you know, it's a good ensemble cast. It might do well. I didn't think that we would get two additional films out of the deal. I was pleasantly surprised at the success. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna leverage that, you know, that same opinion into, uh, this upcoming female spinoff. We'll see how it goes. I mean, they got some good casting in there. Uh, Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett are, are both awesome. And, you know, adding in Anne Hathaway as, as another a potential cast member is definitely going to give us some really good, uh, on screen chemistry. Uh, Rihanna's acting ability, eh, Helena Bonham Carter's another, another actress that's hit or miss depending on the films. And uh, Mindy Kaling definitely there for some comic relief. Never a bad thing. Um, we'll see how it pans out. Like I said, once I get additional information, including release dates and casting notes, of course, I will share that with you guys. Two other things I did want to mention um, before I wrap things up is that we will be seeing the return, and this is insane, of Rocco's Modern Life. Uh, as many of you know, we have talked about Rocco's Modern Life, Ren and Stimpy, and some of the Nickelodeon's, uh, some of Nickelodeon's most well-recognized, slightly adult-skewed cartoons on air quite a bit. Uh, Nickelodeon, of course, during that time, like I said, we had Ren and Stimpy, we had Rocco's Modern Life, we had Rugrats, we had some some live-action stuff, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Legends of the Hidden Temple, well... It looks like Nickelodeon is going to be bringing back Rocco's Modern Life as a TV movie. Um, of course, the series originally aired from 1993 to 96. We don't know right now if we're going to get the original voice talent, but we are going to be seeing Rocco's Modern Life back on TV sooner rather than later. This joins uh, re, uh, you know, uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple, which they're bringing back, and also Hey Arnold as well. So... Again, everything that's old is new again, and it looks like Nickelodeon is getting in on the action. Once I get an air date and additional news, of course, regarding the return of Rocco's Modern Life, I will share that with you guys as well. All right. The last bit of news uh, circles back to the DC side of things, and it's a very, very, very interesting story that came out regarding Ezra Miller's Flash and Grant Gustin's Flash. And could we ever see a moment where both characters are on screen together? So while it does seem pretty unlikely, uh, Ezra Miller was doing some DC Universe press and he joked about locking eyes with Grant Gustin's version of The Flash uh, on the CW. He said, um, he said, I can't wait to see him eye to eye adrift in the speed force. Our eyes will lock and in that moment we will both know the truth. What truth? I dare not say. While it does appear that he was having some fun with the press and and joking around, it's interesting because why not? Like, you know, it's it's very easy to 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 be frustrated about the separation, you know, the the, the old, the, you know, the cliched separation of TV and film for DC versus the uh unified universe created by Marvel. And obviously there's there's certain parallels and certain things that are right about it, wrong about it or that just rub people the wrong way. But while Ezra Miller may have been having fun with the journalists when he said that, it makes me wonder, why not? I mean, you know, DC thrives and has done so much with alternate universes and different timelines. Why not? Why can't, you know, the big screen Flash meet, uh, you know, the Grant Gustin Flash in the Speed Force at some point? doesn't have to be on the TV version, but why not on screen? 
Why can't it be that he's running through the Speed Force the same way, the same way that Grant Gustin ran through the Speed Force and saw, you know, Supergirl and some of the other stuff? Why not? Why not have a little fun with that? Again, you don't have to mix the properties or go crazy with it, but why couldn't uh, you have a scene where Ezra Miller's Flash is running through the Speed Force and you see, you know, Green Arrow or uh, The Flash or, hell, even, you know, young Bruce Wayne in Gotham? Again, potential alternate Earths. This is something that's, like I said, a staple in the DC Universe. Why not have a little fun with it, a little wink and a nod? Like, hey, you know, we see you guys. We see the work that you're doing. Wanted to show you a little love. While, I, like I said, it might have been far-fetched and it might have been Ezra Miller having some fun with it. It wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. That's all I'm saying. We'll see. We'll see if that rumor continues to pick up steam. But the next time you'll see Ezra Miller will be on screen for Justice League which arrives in theaters November 17th, 2017. All right, guys, that is going to wrap up this week's entertainment segment, and it's also going to wrap up the show. So with that, I've given you guys my take on gaming and entertainment this week. I'd always love to hear yours. Feel free to reach out via social media. You can find RageWorks on Twitter at Rage underscore Works, and you can also tweet us at MyTakeRadio. If you're on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks. You can interact there, become a fan, and of course, keep up to date with all the happenings regarding RageWorks and MTR. Last but not least, if you're also on Facebook, you could join our RageWorks Facebook group and interact with the staff, fellow listeners, readers, etc. You can do that there. Archived episodes of this show will be available in audio format on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and very, very soon iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Google Play. We'll have updates for that in a couple of weeks. You can also get video archives of the show on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash official RageWorks. There's actually a playlist dedicated to My Take Radio episodes. You'll be able to get every episode every week within 24 to 48 hours of airing uh, with regards to audio formats. Like I said, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. And of course, you can get the official My Take Radio app for iOS, Android, and Windows mobile devices, it's $1.99. You get special content exclusive for app purchasers and, of course, 96K stereo versions of the show. And you'll get access to certain things that are released to the app before they are released to the general public. So there you have it, guys. With that said, let's wrap this up. Thank you guys for listening to episode 359 of my take radio i'll see you guys next wednesday for the mma and wrestling edition on behalf of myself slick and the rest of the team thank you guys for joining us see you next week peace I'm rich, bitch. <laughs>